Hi there. This is Alcon Raycon. I must admit that over the past few weeks, we've been looking very carefully at some very intense matches in the EPL. From time to time, it is to the point where things happen so quickly on the field that the referees are a little bit slow in finding and, or recognizing them. But there are other times that they make mistakes, and these are far, far too much. If you listen to the outside commentators, you'd find that they're all not comfortable with it. Some of these guys are paying by getting the red card and going out of their game, which puts a disadvantage to their team. And then all of a sudden it goes to the defense com the committee and they said, no, it was not a good one. Now, we have seen these referees for many years. Some of them are getting older and we must take a second look at their competence. It's not that they want to be. Sometimes they are getting mentally tired and physically tired to do the job. There's now uh, so much comment among the, com the uh, coaches, and I don't blame them except that I, I would not have said anything, but it pains simply because if they say anything that's uh, not in the keeping of the game, they're going to probably find them or ban them for a game or whatever it is. But at this point in time, one must take a, a second view at the referees. I'm not going to call any names simply because it's not personal. But at the same time, we have seen some really poor referee and poor decisions at this point in time. Sometimes it actually allows the opportunity for one team to have a winning advantage over the other. That does not appear to me to be fair. While I admit that there is, I don't think that there is anything that uh, favoritism or anything like this. But at the same time, I think they need to pay more attention to it. And then the reaction against the players who they're dealing with. It's not fair to put them under pressure with a serious face or a serious comment. It is that they must understand that they're not in, within their normal faculties when they play a tough game. And sometimes they can say some awkward things. We need to understand that it's, a, it's not a one-sided game. It's players and referees. We need to take another look at it, get that committee to take a second look at all the matches of those referees and see how often they make the mistakes. I could be wrong, but at the same time, the naked eye says they're making too many mistakes and it's sometimes to the disadvantage of some of the teams. Hello there. This is Alcon Recon once again. So far, over the past few weeks, we've been hearing nothing from the Trinidad and Tobago Football Association and the Normalization Committee. I'm sure the people throughout the Caribbean as a whole would be interested to find out what's going on. As a matter of fact, the people in Trinidad and Tobago will also find out what's going on. Whatever it is, what we've noticed is the only thing that's going forward, and I use the word forward very generously, uh, for the Trinidad and Tobago football team, the senior team. And I understand recently there is a futsal team going. But that is not the function of the normalization committee. They are here to repair the ills of football in Trinidad and Tobago. The business of developing football, practically, it is not the job of the N normalization committee. And I often wonder, why wouldn't the public be made aware of what is their function and what are they trying to correct? No one has said anything about it. 
we've seen sometimes the chairman of the normalization committee on the field near the, the players. This seemed to be his practicality. But at this point in time, what we need is something called development. And we need to find it from the embroiled stages. We need to find out what about the school kids in the primary schools? What about the community kids who don't even have a well-cut ground to practice on? And what about the schools, the secondary schools, whose uh, function will be during the course of the year in terms of uh, the August, September, October? So it is, there's a lot of work to be done here, as I mentioned before. The, the financial situation is not a problem. It has to be paid, and FIFA will find a way to do that. You don't need to have a, an, an accountant to be able to know that if you owe somebody something, you've got to pay them. What am I going to see for the, the CONCACAF in the match against Guyana? I'm not quite sure. Because, again, we would have thought that um, a few local teams would have been picked up and played against this team that um, played out in the United States. I wonder if that's a benefit. But at least it's going to be a, a trip in the right direction. At this point in time, nobody knows anything about it. And that in itself is poor organization, whether it's coming from FIFA, whether it's coming from the Normalization Committee, or the TTFA. This is not satisfactory. Everybody is in limbo as to find out if the teams can train and what they can do and what they can't do. That is not the function of the normalization committee. That's the function of our uh, medical group of people who are making choices for us and so far they have done wonderfully well. So we look forward to it. I don't know who to blame, but I know who should be doing the job and getting it done right now. I wonder why the Ministry of Sport have not taken some sort of action in this as well. It is worth the while, simply because of the fact that they are part of the people in this country who run sport in this country. Do they want to see it falter again? No, I don't think so, and I hope you do as well. And to the people of the Caribbean, I say hello to them, particularly with the cricket teams. We're gonna see a little bit out of Sri Lanka. Let's hope that they do well, but in the main, Let's lift the quality of our sport throughout the region, I beg of you. Hi there. The recent success by the West Indies cricket team against Bangladesh cricket team in recent times has brought a level of awakening to the point that our Caribbean cricket lovers are ready for all comers. Despite the low ranking of the Asian country, the comfort of victory for the West Indies has provided preparation for the upcoming tournaments. However, the absence of 12 of the regular test players who previously re re represented the Caribbean squad must now face the exposure which may endorse their selection despite their defaulting. Now that the future is ahead and all the stars will be eligible to be selected to face Sri Lanka in the Caribbean and in a few years' time. The major question will be the selection of the squad, present and past, all of which are available for selection. May surely hope that their availability is assured. That's a difficult situation, and even the folks closest to the selectors 
are divided in the choice of players. The Caribbean teams were exposed to a regional ODI tournament, which are currently taking place in Antigua. The social media is confused over this choice of players, especially as the 12 withdrawals had opted out for strange and sometimes the discomfort of the COVID-19. My proposal for selection, selecting the players for the Sri Lanka tour should create an allowance for two trial matches chosen from the regular prospects, together with the Bangladesh players. I believe that there could be at least one four-day match and two ODI matches prior to the start of the Sri Lanka squad arriving in the Caribbean. Allow the selectors of these two trial teams to play to be the players consider, considered for selection against Shri, Sri Lanka's series. Notification must be given to the selected players that their places in the team will depend upon the performances in both formats of the tournament. I'm certain that there will be all sorts of choices we not, may not appear to be fair play. There are reasons which may have been given to the selectors, some of which may be given to join the IPL tournaments in other parts of the world. Our ultimate vision is to set for the I-20 World Cup next year, and this may also be a judgment for the participants. Anything shorter than this solution will always appear to have varying views. The eventual results against Sri Lanka will bring the portion between success and failure for the future of West Indies cricket. Hello there. We all know that it's so very difficult to play against Manchester City, much more than to beat them. They look so simple when doing things. They're very efficient in moving the ball around. Clearly, they understand what they're doing, probably much better than a lot of the other teams. Arsenal gave them a good run. It was, in my opinion, a very formidable effort by Arsenal. But they just didn't have the players to keep the ball long enough. They created one or two opportunities, but never endangered in any one of them. When you take a look and look at the back, of Manchester City and find stones coming into the game at in the central defence next to Diaz and they have communicated so well that nothing outnumbered them in terms of the opposition. Cancelo was at right wing back going up to give service to Mahrez on the right side and Zincentro on the left side. It was just one of those games. The midfield for Arsenal was trying desperately. They, of course, got a few good players in front of them, Aubameyang, and then, of course, little Saka on the side of the field, where number seven. It was a chance that they could get a goal, but it was not an easy chance. They looked at that situation at halftime, and I'm sure Coach Arteta was hoping that he would not be able to seal down any of those forwards unless he brought one player back from the central defence. It worked for him. They didn't get many opportunities to score, and they, they were able to cover the ground, the Arsenal, this is, the midfielders, in the way that they wanted. But it is the long passes into the final four of Manchester City's defence. Boy, was it well read. Was it well played back by the goalkeeper, whom they used so very, very well. And then, of course, they've got Fernandinho in the middle of the field. That makes them two players two master players, Diaz at the back and now Fernandinho in the front. 
What do you want for playmakers better than that? And they have demonstrated this in no uncertain manner. I wish Arsenal get some points. They have played well. They deserved some sort of credit from this game. And I will admit that they put sometimes uh, Manchester City under pressure. Not that it was a question of uh, the goal or them. No, it was not. But it was winning the ball back, and they were doing it quite well. They were attacking in the second half a lot of better than they did in the first half. But at the end of it all, it was Manchester City, a team filled with quality players, a team filled with good cohesive methods of play in the game of football. So many people can learn lessons from uh, this Guardiola guy. He is just a heavy thinker. He works well with his team. You look at his second team and you realize that every single player on the bench had already played for Manchester City on numerous occasions, and they can't get into this team. It was just a marvelous game. I would say to Manchester City, your season is not going to be easy. Everybody is going to come at you. You're going to have to pressure every single game. You have to look and see where you can use your inventive players and where you can't. Because if you do and they fail, maybe a weak opposition might just about get a goal. So it is going to be an interesting task for Manchester City. But who would be uncomfortable when you're leading 10 points in the Premier Soccer League? Wonderful performance for Manchester City. It is always difficult for any of the teams in the English Premier League to play against the outside European teams in the uh, championships. This time, Arsenal found a difficult proposition in Benfica. Uh, they were at home to Arsenal, but at the same time, they were playing a pretty good brand of football, particularly where there were mistakes on the part of Arsenal in the defence, and it caused a goal or two against them. It's always surprising when David Luiz is behind there and still they're, they're very penetrative. This time it's not too much his fault, it's Gabriel's fault, his fellow uh, defender. However, did the midfield play well? Not as well as they should. But thanks to the coach, he made an, an obviously wonderful exchange by bringing in William and Thomas Carty. Thomas Carty was injured for a while and he was brought in as a substitute. I differ from the coach on that one. If you're going to start a player to find out whether he's fit enough, you better start with him because if he breaks down, then you have a big, big problem. So it is a very difficult way, but it was a very good way because both these players turned the game around together with uh, people like Little Saka and then, of course, uh, Lacassette and Amam Ringdon. It was a wonderful match. It went on to two all and it looked very much as though Arsenal would have been at a disadvantage for the next game. However, they turned the, thing, the game around. Some beautiful passing by Saka, and they got their goals quite easily. It was a very good and exciting match, but I would say that maybe the coach should have looked again at the starting team, because for a while, he's not started Mar uh, William. William is one of the best individual players in the pre English Premier League. And yet still, he gets ignored. I wonder why. And every time he comes onto the field, he makes a difference. So it's a good win for Arsenal. Bad luck to Benfica. You'll have to wait and see which one will go next. Chelsea and Manchester United 
battled to a goalless draw in what I consider a very important match for both these teams, especially when they're both targeting places in the top four of the Premier League. It was a game with a difference. I was rather impressed with Chelsea because having seen them play over the past seven or eight matches, I thought that they had flaws in their game, but I also thought that they were producing some good football at the time, and maybe the presence of Thiago was whipping it up to a great extent. Well, he was not there. But at the same time, they've developed the new policy of some of the clubs that are doing it, of moving the ball first time and shifting into spaces, and it's not even giving the opposition a chance to get to the ball. So they had possession a lot of the time. Penetrative passes, not a great lot, because they were not taking chances to lose the ball. As soon as it was about to be into trouble, they go right back to the goalkeeper if they have to, and then work it from another side. But it was done very well. The stronger part of them is Manchester United wants to have the ball and utilize just a few players in it to do the damage. Like Rashford, for instance, Fernandez, Fred, they want those guys to take on and dribble or outrun or do something to the, that kind. And it was not happening. The Chelsea midfield of, of Chilwick, Kovacic, Kante, and Hudson Odoi did extremely well to control that area. They hustled them into to winning the ball and they won it. It was so interesting that these players were playing the ball from the back, back to the goalkeeper, out to the right wing back, back inside to the central defense, switching that little true pass which gets to the midfield. And if it's clustered there, they go out to the far side. It was organizational on the part of this team. And I was very, very impressed with Chelsea. Yes, they did not score a goal, neither did Manchester United, but that's what the game is all about. And in one of the times, that you look at, you see a good football match, you cannot call it a bad one because goals are scored. The goalkeepers were very good, the defences were tight. So once again, we are looking at Chelsea. First, it was uh, uh, the last time when he, when he was not doing well and his coach was fired. A new coach is there. He seemed to be getting something out of them. There was a debatable penalty here, and maybe neither of these teams should have bothered about it, but they made heavy weather with it, including the... the players on the field. I asked the question, have you ever seen a, a referee change a decision after the game is finished? Why are you arguing with them? I've seen some of the players do it. The coach is going up. I'm saying these guys are desperate. But I enjoyed the game. It was a good one. And we'd wait on to see how well will they perform as they go on. Who would not have been happy that the West Indies won the series against Sri Lanka. It was a very interesting one. Not much excitement, simply because of the fact that West Indians are certainly looking towards the future to see whether there is the capability of a good West Indies team for the World Cup next year. We've had three matches, and for the truth, I'm not quite sure in my own mind that the West Indies batting in this particular team is capable of winning the World Cup next year. They must go and look for players simply because of the fact that the players that are there, some of them, I'm afraid, like Chris Gale, with no disrespect to him, a former good player, I don't think he's ready 
to spend another year to work hard to play in the T20 tournament. He's had he's had uh, not many runs in the three innings that he's played. He had a duck. He had 16. He had 14. And then, of course, there are others as well. We do not see the kind of strength that we want in bulk in that team. In one of the innings, um, the captain did very well. Kyron Pollard played extremely well. But unfortunately, in this particular the final, he got a duck. Well, it happens. Most times you get a failure in and among the runs that you score. The one that was probably more consistent was Jason Holder, who in uh, both of the innings that they were playing, he was battling quite sensibly and maybe not getting big scores, but he didn't get out. And that was the important factor. So at this point in time, you look back and you said, are we really comfortable and happy about winning? I'm happy about winning, but I'm not quite comfortable about the quality of players that are in the team or maybe the form that they're in. In some of these cases, I think that these players are batting prematurely. They, they make decisions long before the ball gets out of the bowler's hand. And this is to their downfall because they tend to play some irrational shots and get out. We've got to look. It's no question about it. I'm happy that Phil Simmons is happy about it and having won. But you can't throw it behind your back, the reality of it all. Yes, West Indies won the series. But were you particularly happy over the general performance of the West Indies team? I doubt it very much. But I do have the confidence that the West Indies have got some good players who, with a little bit of exposure, could go into the World Cup next year. I hope a study is made of the players, each and every one of them, and to see clearly where are the problems or where are the strong areas, who they come from, and then you can make a decision. But for now, congratulations to West Indies. You've done a good job after dealing with Bangladesh and coming with Sri Lanka. Let's go again. Maybe you'd get a couple of victories and in that process, get a couple of cricketers of high caliber as well. Who would not have been happy that the West Indies won the series against Sri Lanka? It was a very interesting one. Not much excitement, simply because of the fact that West Indians are certainly looking towards the future to see whether there is the capability of a good West Indies team for the World Cup next year. We've had three matches, and for the truth, I'm not quite sure in my own mind that the West Indies batting in this particular team is capable of winning the World Cup next year. They must go and look for players simply because of the fact that the players that are there, some of them, I'm afraid, like Chris Gale, with no disrespect to him, a former good player, I don't think he's ready to spend another year to work hard to play in the T20 tournament. He's had, he's had uh, not many runs in the three innings that he's played, he had a duck, he had 16, he had 14. And then, of course, there are others as well. 
we do not see the kind of strength that we want in bulk in that team. In one of the innings, uh, the captain did very well. Kyron Pollard played extremely well. But unfortunately, in this particular the final, he got a duck. Well, it happens. Most times you get a failure in and among the runs that you score. The one that was probably more consistent was Jason Holder, who in uh, both of the innings that they were playing, he was battling quite sensibly and maybe not getting big scores, but he didn't get out. And that was the important factor. So at this point in time, you look back and you said, are we really comfortable and happy about winning? I'm happy about winning, but I'm not quite comfortable about the quality of players that are in the team or maybe the form that they're in. In some of these cases, I think that these players are batting prematurely. They, they make decisions long before the ball gets out of the bowler's hand. And this is to their downfall because they tend to play some irrational shots and get out. We've got to look. It's no question about it. I'm happy that Phil Simmons is happy about it and having won. But you can't throw it behind your back, the reality of it all. Yes, West Indies won the series. But were you particularly happy over the general performance of the West Indies team? I doubt it very much. But I do have the confidence that the West Indies have got some good players who, with a little bit of exposure, could go into the World Cup next year. I hope a study is made of the players, each and every one of them, and to see clearly where are the problems or where are the strong areas, who they come from, and then you can make a decision. But for now, congratulations to West Indies. You've done a good job after dealing with Bangladesh and coming with Sri Lanka. Let's go again. Maybe you'd get a couple of victories and in that process, get a couple of cricketers of high caliber as well. Who would not have been happy that the West Indies won the series against Sri Lanka? It was a very interesting one. Not much excitement simply because of the fact that West Indians are certainly looking towards the future to see whether there is the capability of a good West Indies team for the World Cup next year. We've had three matches and for the truth, I'm not quite sure in my own mind that the West Indies batting in this particular team is capable of winning the World Cup next year. They must go and look for players simply because of the fact that the players that are there, some of them, I'm afraid, like Chris Gale, with no disrespect to him, a former good player, I don't think he's ready to spend another year to work hard to play in the T20 tournament. He's had, he's had uh, not many runs in the three innings that he's played. He had a duck, he had 16, he had 14. And then, of course, there are others as well. We do not see the kind of strength that we want in bulk in that team. In one of the innings, uh, the captain did very well. Kyron Pollard played extremely well. But unfortunately, in this particular the final, he got a duck. 
Well, it happens. Most times you get a failure in and among the runs that you score. The one that was probably more consistent was Jason Holder, who in both of the innings that they were playing, he was battling quite sensibly and maybe not getting big scores, but he didn't get out. And that was the important factor. So at this point in time, you look back and you said, are we really comfortable and happy about winning? I'm happy about winning. But I'm not quite comfortable about the quality of players that are in the team or maybe the form that they're in. In some of these cases, I think that these players are batting prematurely. They, they make decisions long before the ball gets out of the bowler's hand. And this is to their downfall because they tend to play some irrational shots and get out. We've got to look. It's no question about it. I'm happy that Phil Simmons is happy about it and having won. But you can't throw it behind your back, the reality of it all. Yes, West Indies won the series. But were you particularly happy over the general performance of the West Indies team? I doubt it very much. But I do have the confidence that the West Indies have got some good players who, with a little bit of exposure, could go into the World Cup next year. I hope a study is made of the players, each and every one of them, and to see clearly where are the problems or where are the strong areas, who they come from, and then you can make a decision. But for now, congratulations to West Indies. You've done a good job after dealing with Bangladesh and coming with Sri Lanka. Let's go again. Maybe you'd get a couple of victories and in that process, get a couple of cricketers of high caliber as well. They call it the Manchester Derby. Of course, it is about football. And of course, it is about Manchester City and Manchester United. They had a great experience playing each other today. A great experience from all angles. In the first place, Manchester City is leading the EPL by a whole wide margin. And second position is Manchester United. So United wanted to get this three points, and they actually did. Did they play a great game? I thought they played a very sensible game. Manchester City, I thought, in the process of being so confident of having won convincingly for the last 21 matches, that they thought that this might just about to be winning the kudos of Manchester by defeating United. It didn't happen. It's not that they played badly. As a matter of fact, I thought that there was great anxiety because Manchester United got a penalty in the early stages. They scored. But since that time, they were hustling around trying to defend as much as is humanly possible. And the opportunities came by and they were not well taken by Manchester City. But I'll say this for Manchester United. They defended, and they defended sternly. They were doing exceptionally well, particularly as they got their first goal. But when Manchester City started moving it around, there was a lot of pressure, and they changed their pattern of play. Over the past three or four days of matches, they have been defending very, very steadily, 
and that city with a midfield that's winning the ball when they don't have it, and even a three-striker point where they were trying to win the ball as well. In this situation, because of the ease in which they were getting into the penalty area of the Manchester United, the midfielders changed their responsibility and started going forward, leaving a shallow 4v4-bit Manchester City defence against a Manchester United attack. And the long ball was uh, meeting face-to-face -face with a defensive four from Manchester City. I think we all know that as soon as the ball comes into, the, into your uh, final third of the field, you get a little bit jumpy as to what's going to happen. When it's four versus four, it's even worse. I thought that there was a problem there. And because of this, despite the fact that there were more opportunities to score for Manchester City than United, Manchester United was doing the good by playing that ball into the, their four forwards and looking to see if they can get any sort of opportunity. Actually, their, their, their left wing back was the one who scored the goal, the second goal. There was a penalty, a debatable penalty, but it was not called on by VAR. And this was in the first two minutes of the game. It remained with Manchester United, and there was a certain amount of pressure. But at the same time, we saw the caliber of Manchester City. I was wondering why um, uh, Coach Guardiola didn't use some of the key players, the experienced players, who will know what sort of approach to use in this type of game, especially when they were so far ahead. He didn't start with Walker. He certainly didn't start with Aguero, Fernandinho, I, I, he didn't start with them. And although I think the players are all appropriate and all can play, I think in the midfield, he's got to be looking a little bit closer. I don't think Rodrigo is a ball winner. And uh, um, De Bruyne is not playing as well as we've seen him before. He is working hard, but he doesn't have the confidence he had four or five chances to shoot at goal, and he preferred to pass off the responsibility. I was a little bit surprised at that because his asset is hitting the ball from outside and corners and so on. But it was a defeat for Manchester City. I'm not quite disappointed in them because they, they retained the quality of play that they were doing, except that they didn't get the goals. So now they'll have to wake up. They're going to meet teams. Every single team is going to fight for, to beat them. And I think that Manchester City will come on strong and just go forward and win the league. I'm optimistic, aren't I? Because I've seen it, the writing on the wall. And I know that the man running this show, uh, Sepp Guardiola, he knows what he's about. So let's wait and see how it goes by. Hello there. And once again... Alcon Recon is about looking and witnessing a fantastic game of cricket between the West Indies and Sri Lanka. It's a 50-over game, so it had to be very exciting. And I have to admit that in comparison to the T20 matches, this game was more qualitative from all angles. We saw some good batting in the early stages by Sri Lanka at Gunatilaka, scoring 55 and Karan Ratne scoring 52, Bundana scoring 50, 
in a score of 236. They batted extremely well. I have to also admit that the West Indies bowlers did a good job of it, and especially in the field of play, the fielding was much better than I have seen in recent times. So it was a good start for the West Indies. They had to chase 236. There was always some uh, degree of, of observation that they are not consistent. Well, this time they were. It was uh, Evan Lewis scoring 65 in a partnership uh, with Shai Hope, who had not been in cricket for a while. But this guy played exceptionally well. He got 110, and he demonstrated to us and gave us some sort of indication that during the test match, he will be one of the key factors in the game. Of course, Darren Bravo also came out with 37 not out. He, too, is becoming more matured, more concerned with his position at the wicket and getting runs and not playing any rash shots or anything like this. One of the players in this team that I thought was very interesting and very much of an improvement to what he's been in the past, Jace Mohammed, bowled very well with his off spinners, got two for 12, batted to 13, not out, but I've looked at him before, and he is really, really one of the key players in that team at this point in time. Uh, what I'd like to talk about with the Maybe at times, like you have Allen and Hussein, two left-arm spinners bowling at the same time. I think that that's going to get the batsmen a little bit concerned and a little bit happy over the fact that they are getting the same type of bowling from both ends. There is not too much variety in them, and that's the difference. There are times when you can bowl two off spinners, one bowling a drifter at a charge and the other one uh, bowling straighter balls outside the off stump coming from different angles. But outside, they both bowled quite well. I thought uh, Allen to be good. But I think the day of the day was the skipper. Karen Pollard took the ball over, and after about a few balls, he bowled it right up to uh, Gunnar Tilaka, who hit it back at him, what I thought was pretty high. He threw his right hand up, and the ball flew in the air for maybe for about 10, 15 feet away from him. He was on the ground. He got up, and he threw himself a long way and took the catch with both hands. It was an amazing piece of cricket. Not unlike him, he's a wonderful fielder, but this one took the cake. It was a marvelous piece of cricket. So the West Indies, uh, uh, I certainly believe that they were the better team on this day. It was a little bit of an, uh, an, uh, something that offered during the period of match, which we did not we qu know quite easily what it was. It was about uh, Gunnar Tilaka, who, in effort to take a single, he was batting, took a single, and it was not one, so he sent his non-striker up. He turned his back to go back to his crease. Pollard was searching for the ball to run them out. And I don't think it was deliberate that the batsman avoided this path of Pollard. I think it was just coincidental. But Pollard asked for obstruction for the umpires. And they looked and looked. Of course, the pictures were pretty clear, in my opinion, notwithstanding the fact that the, the obstruction it must be deliberate. And in my mind, it wasn't. It was unfortunate because this young batsman was batting very well indeed, uh, Gunnar Tilatara, 
and uh, he lost his wicket at 55. Outside of that, it was a good, great game of cricket for the West Indies, and I hope that when they go again, it's going to be a certain degree of consistency. Right now, they, it is showing the way up in its progress rating from the T20 on to the first ODI. Let's see how it goes from now on. Are we all looking forward to the World Cup of 2022? Well, we should be, simply because of the fact that in the 13 days from now, Trinidad and Tobago will start their plea to get into the World Cup finals. And their first opponent is Guyana, and uh, certainly one of these strange type of situations. Uh, they're both going to play away from home out in the Dominican Republic, and afterwards they were... Trinidad and Tobago will play against Puerto Rico. Well, let's talk a little bit about Trinidad and Tobago. There have been some unusual happenings during the past few days, especially with the comments, the adverse comments that were made by a number of the players against the head coach. Now, this is in itself a way to lose a, a football game or a football series. There was no response from the coach, and that made a lot of sense. But the players seemed very harsh over a number of factors. What amazed me was the fact that they could actually demonstrate or ex explain what had happened in their practice sessions, and they felt that nothing happened. I run a couple of spaces in speed and uh, a variation of space, and then open it up and play, play 11 versus 11. Well, as far as I'm concerned, that must be a little bit inaccurate because that would not have been what a professional coach would want to do over a period of four or five months. They did not have the opportunity to show themselves in the United States a few weeks ago when they were beaten by seven to nothing. Now they've got 13 days away. And the tension is not as what it should be. Everyone is now concerned, are these players training with the hope of playing well? Or are they reluctant to go out and do their best? It is not a good situation for Trinidad and Tobago. And I think my friends in the, the Caribbean are a little bit sympathetic to us because I've had a few calls from them. But it's so difficult and so complex to sort of correct this situation at this point in time, seeing that uh, FIFA is involved with the TTFA and the recuperation of their activity. And at this point in time, no one knows what's going to happen. The players are quarreling about, the professional players are quarreling about their monies and the way they are treated and this, that, and the other, all of which are genuine. So with 13 days to go, what should we think? We got seven goals from the United States. We did not have any authentic type of friendly matches in between. And now we face Guyana. I will admit that Guyana has not really been beating us on a regular basis, but they have defeated us on one occasion in a very important fixture. We'll have to wait and see. But I am not looking forward because I'm concerned with the players. I always say there's no sport called coaching. There's a sport called football, and these players are running their hearts out in the field. Let's hope that they put it out and throw aside all the difficulties that they've had over the past few months and give Trinidad and Tobago something to talk about by winning their first two games in the CONCACAF qualifying for the World Cup factor.